I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Stocking Podcast presented by Zwift. If you're watching on the video, Benji got the Zwift bit on in force. It's hot conditions here in Andorra. Benji claims it is in uh, West Flanders. I don't not believe anymore. him. I'm g- not anymore? Okay. Thunder and lightning this morning, but hey, we survive. Very, very frightening me. This is the stage 12 of the Giro d'Italia from Parma to Genova. It is, again, yesterday I said, mm, don't really know how to call it. It ended up being a very obvious breakaway stage with the absence of Binium, with Alperson not wanting to control the stage of this difficulty. The longest stage of this Giro, 203Ks, fishing the Paso del Bocco, 6Ks, 4% descent, then the La Coleta, 9Ks, 4.3% descent, then the Valico de Transasco, 4.3Ks, 8%. That's quite hard. That's a 12 to 14-minute climb, you know, above 6 7% gradient. It's quite hard. But afterwards, like 30 kilometers of rolling flat terrain to the finish in Genoa on the coast. So it's just not one for the pure sprinters. Even Damar in best form of 2020, I don't really uh, see it. We had other news being, speaking of sprinters, Ewan uh, abandoning the Giro before the stage even started. That that has to be a massive disappointment, Benji. Only saved by De Gent's improbable stage win. Yeah, surely. They did not get a stage win with Caleb Ewan, and that's a big disappointment. He's now prepping for the Tour de France. I think I, uh, Defender and Lightning was probably Eddie Merckx that was angry at Caleb Ewan for leaving the Giro. But uh, I think that from this point onwards, we'll see them try and get in every breakaway they can. And that was exactly what happened today. They were in the breakaway with one of their riders, Schwarzman. Not the rider that was going to do anything today, but at least they got a rider in there, so it's something. But some better riders in there, certainly, like Wilco Kelderman. You mentioned him yesterday, the man himself from Bora, behind in GC, I think 11 minutes and a bit behind initially at the start of the stage. He could either take time back or try and fight for the stage win. Competitors for him were Vanderpool, Oldani, and Rizabek for Alpesin. So, like we mentioned a few times, that they could either control from the peloton or put multiple riders in the breakaway. Because if you have only Vanderpool in the breakaway, it will be nearly impossible for him to win unless he's got like a godlike day. And those three riders being in there is better for that team. Vendrami in the breakaway, a guy we were missing yesterday as well. Conti, Butrago, Sutolin, so two riders from Bahrain. We have Consani for Gofidis. Minus Colt Nilsson, the resurrection I was hoping for, I guess. Um, because, again, we uh, I mentioned yesterday, I think that the stage would fit him in good form. Albanese, Eolo, Rota and Tarame, both for Anton Marche. Two riders from Jumbo as well. Einkorn and Lehmreise. I think Lehmreise is the better climber there with six talent now already in this race. Hamilton and Sobrero, also a duo of a climber and a a ruler in uh, Bex. We have Ballerini, Barta, and finally, Balka Molema and Nico Den. So Molema trying to hunt for his trilogy. He's got a stage win in the Tour, a stage win in the Vuelta, and one swan in the Giro. And Court, I think. Or oh, maybe Court's definitely won two of Vuelta, so I think he's going for the Giro one as well. Yep. 
the guy I didn't think would get in the break or I hoped wouldn't get in the break, the GC man back 11 minutes for bike exchange, wasn't Yates. As you said, it was Hamilton. And I don't know. He, it, it, we'll talk about GC points and whether that should have impacted the finish of this stage. But you see a break of that size go, you know, absolutely 100% chance it is going all the way. Speaking of our show partner, Zwift, it is the cycling app that makes training fun, whether you're trying to keep up with your fitness goals and watching every stage of the Giro d'Italia like Benji and myself, or if you're preparing for a big goal like a Grand Fondo or something like that, there's training plans, workouts, and a packed calendar of group rides and races to keep you entertained and on track on Swift. If you want to check it out, you can go to swift.com for a free seven-day trial down below. But yeah, that break was working. Got five minutes. Juanpe Lopez was marshalling his troops on the front, keeping it at five minutes. Uh, they get to the, they get over the uh, Del Boco, no problem. They get to the next climb, La Coleta, 9K is 4.3%. It's one where you can, it's not one where you want to close gaps yourself because the draft is still really important and it's about 50K is the crest to the finish. And we start to see moves from Lorenzo Rota and then Ballerini's trying to close him. It's like, is Rota going for KOM points? What's he doing? Often you see riders use the KOM sprint as almost, it lures the other riders into a false sense of security thinking, oh, he's just going for the KOM sprint. He's not actually attacking. He did that. And then behind it was uh, Lamreiser, and old Dani bridging across to him. This is one of the, might go unnoticed, Benji, incredible tactical move from Alperson. And because their other option is to pace with old Dani for MVP. Like, and I don't think that would have worked. I think that would have been harder, certainly. And it would have been more uh, the tactic that people were necessarily expecting. And putting old Dani in that front group, people might expect him to at some point sit up for Vanipol, but. People can't forget Oldani can actually sprint and him following Remreze, those two riders going ahead. I think Pascal Inkhorn apparently said to Lemreiz at that moment, come on, this is the moment, man. This is the moment to try and bridge up. This is a good move. And Lemreiz exactly did that together with Oldani together, both to Rolta now. That's a three-man group ahead. Uh, Ballerini was disappearing from that front after that KOM sprint. But those two riders had a gap and the gap kind of continued going because... Obviously, there are some riders in there in that second group still with teammates, but they're also not willing to just continue pacing and start pacing for their teammate that much that they take the entire control on themselves. But also, I felt like there were continuing moves at a certain point. Again, Ballerini went, again, Schwarzman went. Then all those attacks led to the cooperation in that second group just not really existing. And that increased by the fact that the group would also fall apart again on the next climb and then again moves when then. I think the gap towards the front group just kept expanding and expanding, right? 24 seconds at the top of the second last climb to 39 seconds, then MVP in quarter attacking to 50 seconds at the base of the last climb, which 50 seconds is a lot in the context of a 13 to 14 minute climb. So uh, with no Kelderman, the best climbers in the group behind who would want to take their advantage on that climb is Mollema, Kelderman. Lucas Hamilton, Butrago, 
but they don't have teammates except for Sabrera. Not sure if he was still there. So are they going to work really, really well on the climb? Those guys did go clear. Kelderman, Mollema, Hamilton, Wittrako, but the gap was only reduced to about 35 seconds. And then we have this descent and a flat running of 30 kilometers. Are those guys really want to going to want to commit and what was surprising for me was the front two Aldani clearly the quickest and then the rotor clearly quicker than Lamriser they had such good cooperation Lamriser was working hard on the flat with them the whole time I guess with the theory of well you know I've got a better chance of winning out of a group of three than with the others catching behind and in the group behind I don't know what would, it's tricky Benji because they're now eight minutes ahead of the GC of the peloton. Does if you're Kelderman, do you pull really hard? Do you take turns hoping for the stage win? And same with Hamilton, or do you just pull for GC? Do you give up on GC? Uh, it's what would you have done in either of their situation? Well, the choice is either like he's got two choices: either he completely sits up and makes sure that he loses like ten minutes to make sure he's completely out of the GC battle and can go for stages. Or he starts pacing and actually tries to hunt down the gap towards the front, but not necessarily to catch the riders up front, but to gain even more time on the peloton. Because if he gains eight minutes on the stage, that's 11 minutes minus eight. Basic math, that's three. And then he's three minutes behind in GC. That's roughly top 13, if my mind serves me right, around the Nibali spot somewhere. Like, that's closer and that's to a point where I think you... You can actually still do something there. And if it's two minutes because you start pacing, that's even better. So I would have gone for starting to pace myself. I think not initially at 30Ks. I would have tried to get the group to work, still focusing on stage win. But as we got to 10Ks, they'd gotten the gap down to 40, but then it went back out to 50. Hamilton had pulled and then was stopping. Butrago was stopping. They were chasing each other. At that point, the stage win is gone. You're not catching them. He and Hamilton should have started pulling on the front uh, unless, I don't know, like Hamilton... Bike exchange, don't they think they, he's good enough to like top 10 GC here? I don't know. Anyway, that starts happening. But in the front group, Lame Riser eventually starts finessing. He attacks Oldani, I think with about a K to go. Oldani closes him down, 700 meters to go. Oldani starts going on the front, very, very soft pacing. Lame Riser attacks again. And then Oldani uses him to start his sprint with pretty early 200 meters to go on this little uphill false flat uphill, Lorenzo Rota in the wheel, but Oldani way fast. A little bit of a move back to the centre to make it a bit harder for Rota, but I don't think, yeah, we're not, no no siren sounds from the relegation police today. He wins his first ever pro race. I don't think any of them had ever won a pro race before, so we knew we were going to have a winner. Uh, but he did ha- come second in like Limburg. He's a decent rider, Oldani multiple top 10s in the Giro last year in stages, ahead of Rota, ahead of uh, Lamriser, who, yeah, I mean, I don't see how Lamriser could have won this. Very difficult with his sprint, so good from him anyway. Was his kick at like 1k to go not faster than you expected? I swear if he has that kick in a sprint that he might have had a genuinely decent finish. Because I swear this guy did sprints at some point, or uphill sprints in... Copy of Bartoli at some points. I might True. be wrong. But it, it's hard to know whether that was just from like the surprise element. Um, but yeah, I, it's 
if if you force other guys to go long and you're fresh-ish and you haven't done your one big burst and you sit in the draft and they go early, anyone has a chance of winning a sprint. But yeah, new new winner, new Giro stage winner, Italian 1-2 for Aldani and Rota. And then Mollema led over Butrago, Kelderman, Hamilton, 57 seconds back. Why they were finessing each other and looking at each other for the sprint for fourth place for no bonus seconds, I'll never know, but they did, and that's what it is. And the GC group was a full nine minutes back. Juan Pei letting his letting his soldiers just bring it in easy. <laughs> so in terms of GC, Kelman's back into 13th on 250, and Aaronsman could drop out. Valverde could drop out. Um, he's close enough that if he attacks on the Kanye stage 15, that's going to be very annoying if you're the other yep. team with Hindley and Bookman in the wheel. Uh, Mollema moves up, he don't care. Hamilton moves into 16th on 3.45. No changes in the top 10 at all. But before we get into some other discussions about what Bora should do, mention if you want to watch the Giro d'Italia live or on demand, GCN Plus is the best place to watch the Giro d'Italia with live rights worldwide. We've had a bit of a slow week, GC-wise at least, in the Giro. That's how the second week is supposed to be. And hopefully this weekend, stage 15, I think there could be some decent GC action, but there certainly will be in the third week. If you want to watch the Giro, though, and you're from the US, UK, Australia, Canada, Germany, and you don't already have a GCN Plus subscription, all LRCP listeners can get 25% off by heading to gcn.eu slash LRCP, which is in the description down below. Bora Benji, I just mentioned it. Wilco has to kind of go for GC now because... If you're another team, you'd never let him in a break this close at 250. I agree. And I think he's now a first-year candidate in the Bora team to try and mingle things and try and bait people in the mountain stage. And this might actually genuinely start helping Hindley for GC. So I like the position he's in, although I think he could have been higher up if he paced a bit more in the last 10 kilometers, if he didn't finesse that much. But uh, yeah, it's in hindsight now and... I guess, uh, yeah, I guess it would have been better for Bora, even better if he was closer, right? It depends. I don't know. Like, if they're just going with Buchmann, because they don't care about points or anything, Bora, fine. They don't care about top 10 in GC either. Bora here to win this bike race overall, and probably an extra 30 seconds for Wilco on GC doesn't really make a difference at all, because they've already got two guys within a minute in the top 10 with Bookman on 109 and that's less than a minute to Carapaz and Hindley on eight seconds to Carapaz. So, yeah, I mean, it's all marginal stuff. He went for the stage win, um, but he won't get another opportunity being that close on GC. Bike exchange two, I think they've got to try and get Yates in a break to go. Guillaume Martin's getting his method of taking GC time back stolen others are doing the guillaume martin <laughs> method to great effect they're like holy shit you can you know try your hardest do six watts per kilo for 20 minutes on a climb and lose 10 seconds or you can go on a break and get eight minutes back <laughs> it's unbelievable uh but tomorrow's stage of the giro d'italia from san remo to cuneo it is a could be a sprint stage 151 case it's got this Colidinava, one climb in the first 50K is 10K, 6.7%, and then it's flat with just they're on a ridge line at like 500 meters altitude the whole time uh, inland. I actually don't really know what's going to happen, Benji. With no binium here, 
do Alperson light that climb up? Oh, Cavendish is the only victim now. Like with Ewan gone, Cavendish would be the victim of lighting this climb up. Demar would be the next in line, but Demar's climbing has been on point this Giro so far, so I don't know how effective that will actually be. I think that um, I hope it's just a generic sprint because I want to see another sprint. But uh, it would not surprise me if there's a possibility that it's again a breakaway stage, although I lean more towards a sprint than a breakaway stage personally, I think. Yeah, 100Ks is a long time on the flat for a break and DeMar can come back. I think, what was the other climb he got dropped on? It was like 20Ks, 4%, and he held on pretty well. And that was with Alperson and Intermarche facing. Gaviria has been climbing really well, I think. Yeah, I mean, or Alperson, go for the break again. There is a little climb beforehand. Go for the break with old Dani, with MVDP, get joined by Court. If I was Ballerini, I'd try and get in it again. And then we could see a breakaway stage again uh, because, yeah, pacing for 100Ks against the FDJ train, if you're Alperson, might be a little bit, ah, oh, that's not true because if Gaviria makes it, but then if Gaviria makes it, does Alperson really want to? Nah, I don't know. I think you're right, Benji. <laughs> I think it'll be a sprint. I'm going with Damar for the win. That's uh, a likely candidate for the win, I'd say. Um, damn it. I was also going to go for Damar, so I'm uh, not glad that you uh, were the first one to name someone. I'll change to Gaviria. Okay. I'll pick the Martin. Gaviria from an odds perspective. Okay. Damar will probably be the favorite. He'll probably win, but uh, Gaviria, I like, I the odds don't exist yet, but I reckon they'll be, nah, they'll be handy. He's going to get second again. He's going to get second again. I <laughs> don't believe guy. in Gaviria. I don't believe in Gaviria. But uh, anyway, he's probably going to win just to prove me wrong. <laughs> that was all from the Giro d'Italia today. Also, the start of the Vuelta a Burgos Feminas, a women's world tour race, four stages, obviously, in the Burgos region in north of Spain. A pretty strong start list with Esty Works having the GC favorite of Demi Vollering. No Annemiek van Vleuten here. Uh, Ashley Mulman was going to start, I think, at Burgos, but she didn't. They remember, there was a crash earlier in the week that involved Vollering and Mulman. Uh, Vollering, I think it was at Durango, Durango, Emma Kumin, yep. Saria. And both of them were involved at Vollering starting and Mulman's not. Um, but still, Vollering's got an official like Shackley, Fournier. No lead out, though, for Kopecky, really. Kopecky kind of freelancing. Other strong sprinters here, we have Sarah Roy, uh, Diedrichsen for Trek Segafredo, or, or Hosking. We didn't really know which rider they were initially going to go for. And today's stage was likely going to be a sprint, although we had some some light echelon action, Benji. Yeah, quite certainly. It was Trek Segafredo that decided to light it up at certain points in the race with roughly, I think, 30 to 20 kilometers to go was basically the uh, most open area. And there were two victims that could fight for GC, actually three victims that could fight for GC. And that included, first of all, Paulina Royakers, who has been riding very, very strong recently. She was first caught behind initially. Um, she actually won, I think, Durango Durango last week as well and got second in Itzulia just after uh, after Volring. So has been in incredible form lately and is one of the riders I was looking forward to for this race. And she was able to save herself from that echelon problem because she ended up attacking that second echelon, riding away solo. Then I think her teammate um, decided to drop back from the front group and she ended up pacing 
Royakers back towards the front. I think it was Amal Yusik, by the way, that faced Royakers back to the front group just before the action started kicking off again because it was a false flat uphill for a second there. And uh, then attacks came again. And then another moment happened. I don't know what happened at that moment, but again, Royakers was behind. And I don't know if that was because she imploded after doing the effort of trying to bridge up towards the front, but she wasn't the only victim, I think. Olivia Baril was also in there, Canadian that has been performing well. I think it was at Itzulia that she was performing very well before she uh, fell through the eyes on the final stage. And then also uh, Veronica Ewers, I think she did manage to come back as well. So um, basically Ewers and also uh, Ruakers made it to that group again before we started heading towards the final sprint. Trek tried again here and there, but it was heading towards a sprint that, that was very clear and then we saw them all lining up, but it was uh, mainly Trek taking it up, right? Yeah, I thought I saw Hosking leading out of 1,500 meters. And then I'm not sure was it which was the Canyon Shram rider. With like 400 meters to go, she goes to the front of the peloton, I presume just leading out for Roy. And then the Movistar rider who had been doing a lead out, she, I think it was, was it Shabby? I'm not sure. Um, the Movistar rider slips into a wheel and slips out, kind of like. Uh, what happened in Tour de Hungary the other week with Mezgetz, and it loses the wheel. And then Diedrichsen, I, I initially was like, oh, it's it's Reusser, because it was like red national champs jersey. Shouldn't lead out Kopecky's in the wheel. No, it was Diedrichsen, who's on Trek Segafredo in the Danish national champs kit, doing the lead out pretty much for uh, Lotte Kopecky. And the finish was kind uh, slightly uphill. She did have Emma Norsgaard in the wheel, who is good on these sort of finishes, uh, but she's on Movistar. And Kopecky opens it up really, really early, goes to the barriers. She has Norsgaard in the wheel, and she just absolutely dusts everybody. Coming back and not even – she gets Norsgaard like off the wheel, and it's Teresa – Numanova, the 23-year-old Czech rider on Live Racing Extra, who comes second. She has no other top 10s this year. She had a second in Tour de Suisse last year. She's, yeah, she's obviously improving. Like, that's a crazy result, to yeah, be honest, <laughs> beating Norsgaard. But, yeah, Kopecky looking good, Benji. I was surprised she beat Norsgaard so easily. Yeah, and, like, I got to be honest, like, every single time when I get into these uh races when I'm looking for Quebec. Yeah, I look for a Belgian national champs jersey and I keep forgetting about the leader's jersey because it was always know, on Van yeah. shoulders last year. So seeing it on Kopecky this time, I was so confused initially. I was like, where is she? And then I realized, oh yeah, leader's jersey, obviously. And um, she wore that UCI leader's jersey in purple and so forth because we don't have enough purple in that peloton apparently. But um, yeah, wonderful sprint. Absolutely destroying Norsgaard, like you mentioned, and it's indeed Neumannova that did a wonderful sprint there. And uh, I think that I was, uh, I don't know, I was expecting more from Trek after what they did during the stage. And Didrikson ended up getting eighth. Hosking, she did the work initially. So I don't know, didn't exactly uh, come out the way I hoped it would for that team in this race. And so that's Kopecky going into the GC lead, but she won't. Uh, at least unless she's changed a lot as a rider, be winning GC here. This is one of the uh, few races on the calendar that has a genuine proper mountaintop finish that decides GC. Laguna Stanaya of, you know, you'll know that if you are if you watch a lot of men's racing from the Vuelta Burgos where Sosa's won, Lopez's won, hard finish, 
And last year, Anna van der Breggen was dominant on it. It was a Dutch one, two, three, four actually on the stage. She beat Annemiek van Vleuten in GC. Uh, yeah, she was so good on on this stage last year. And Vollering came third. So we don't have Van der Breggen or Van Vleuten here. No Mulman here who did a lead out on the climb, I think. Vollering was on 20 seconds, 15 seconds ahead of Royakas, But Royakas looks better than last year. So Vollering's not going to ride away with this as long as Royakas is still holding her form. Uh, and we'll also get an opportunity to see Martika Valley's pure climbing or Shabby's pure climbing as well. Nah, Royaka is, is leader, 100% for Ganon Tram. Yeah, she is. Maybe she'll probably do the lead up for Royaka. So hopefully there's an upset. It would be nice for Canyon Shram to overthrow SD Works at this race, but SD Works has a really strong climbing squad with Shackley and Fisher Black uh, as support, even without. Mormon. But yeah, we'll be back with coverage of Welter Burgos stage two tomorrow. It looks like another stage for Kopecky, to be honest. If I was SD Works, I'll control it with a few rolling climbs and the last one about five, well, four kilometers from the finish. But it could be ah, maybe a late flyer uh, in that finish. Brown? Yeah, on that last little climb? Yeah, perhaps. And it's like. I've got the idea of like, oh, the team of SD Works is here. Yes, she's got proper riders, but Volring ain't going to ride for Kopecky. So it has to come down to Fisher Black, Shackley, Fournier, and so forth. And they're from like, there's a possibility that a flyer could go away, that a Grace Brown could be able to ride away, or a small group can ride away, and this could go uh, into a, a small group sprint of breakaway riders not really like late breakaway riders, if that makes any sense. But hey, I'm, uh, I'm going to go for the uh, outsider pick Grace Brown for this one. I'm going Kopecky back to back, but yeah, I can see that happening because with Laguna Sonia coming up, you don't really have to care if a rider takes 10 seconds yep. on you if they're the right rider. But that's all from us today. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back with the doubleheader tomorrow, indeed doubleheaders for the next three days, and we'll see you then. Ciao.